Welcome, everybody, to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. I'm here with Dennis Levi Leach. My name is Jonathan Getz. Gabe Estel could not be with us today, but I'm excited to welcome a very special guest, Flernoy Holmes, the Grammy-nominated album cover artist for the Allman Brothers Band, Marshall Tucker Band, Dr. John, and Widespread Panic, among others. He's also a member of the Flying Mystics. And for all of you listening to our audio-only podcast, you can also find a video version of this podcast at rockchew.com that will include a slideshow of the cover artwork as we discuss it. Flernoy, welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. Thank you, guys. Uh, we're going to jump right into it. You know, one of our, what we believe one of the most iconic album covers in the history of rock and roll is the Allman Brothers band, Eat a Peach. To describe it, it has a, a, a truck on the cover with, with a giant peach sitting in the truck. And on, on the reverse, uh, there is a car with, with a giant watermelon. Beautifully framed, wonderful gradients, pink and peach to blue. And the inside uh, gatefold is an absolutely amazing detailed illustration. Uh, Flournoy, can you tell us about the um, Eat a Peach design process? Actually, the cover, I was sitting on my um, porch out in the country outside of Athens at the time, and the uh, those Georgia sunsets are pink and blue and uh, very vibrant at times, and I went, whoa, those are cool colors. So I got a can of pink spray paint and blue spray paint, and that's how the, the background came to be. But actually, the cover itself... Um, at the time, I was, um, well, I should probably back up a little bit. We had this loose-knit group of, a uh, few of us were um, called the Athens Art Co-op. We'd do ads and stuff, trying to make a living. We kind of, the first first cover, Wet Willie, we had a couple people involved. But then on the Allman Brothers, the um, it was just myself and this other person and we um we came up with various ideas like uh, originally it was called the kind we raise in dixie had a little different design and kind of presented that and they didn't like it but i was in spartanburg and i um i had the uh the cover and i uh the group was playing so i went up to the duane and i showed him whoa meet meet me in three days in macon we uh we met and he kind of immediately liked liked the idea as far as the concept goes, the uh, the lettering was like just hand hand done lettering. So we'd kind of create these letter forms, and I, I worked with a lot of letter forms. And just the the peach and the truck came from an old postcard, and you've probably seen some. I mean, they're giant, all kinds of fruits and vegetables, and so that was a, a cool looking image. And so we just kind of put the thing together and on the inside it was a jam between David and myself and jamming means we would draw and then one person would take over and draw and the other person would draw and and that's how the inside kind of came about. That's a fascinating way to uh to do that. I never thought so, about uh, the idea of jamming on illustrations. Yeah. It's um it's fun. There's something called exquisite corpses and you can do that. You've heard of that parlor game? No. Where you take a piece of paper and you fold it in like four or five parts and one person will draw the head and no one else can see the other part. So then someone else will draw the arms and the body and it's uh, very creative. And then when you unfold it, you have this strange looking creature. Wow. It's it's fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so how, the right 
frame of mind, I guess. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and how long did uh, did the inside of Eat a Peach take you to jam on to really flesh it out? I think we did acid every day for five days, and on the seventh day, it was finished. We rested on the seventh. <laughs> right? You have to. <laughs> so what's going on? I mean, like, we look at it, and we see a lot of stuff going on. Um, what's going on, on in your eyes in that illustration? I always like to build in something into the imagery. If you look at some, like if you look at the mushroom, the kind of iconic mushroom that I did, um, if you turn it sideways, you can kind of really see what it is, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Sometimes the imagery is sexual, sometimes it's not. So on the inside of Eat a Peach, if you, look, if you pull back and look, you can see some faces, for instance, one looks like a skull head on the left. Uh, you've got the, um, on the top right side, you see a mountain range and you see a little statue with, it looks like a, um, baseball glove. You guys are in the baseball, I understand. Yeah. So it's like a baseball glove and you see, so if you look at it, you see the mountain range and the, I see a statue, but then when you look at the mountain range, you see, oh, it's a, it's a female figure laying on her side. And then the, um, the statue with the hand is kind of doing something else. Yeah, it's, it's... so that's like a, a more of a subliminal or something that isn't noticed right away. So you know, they try to put in those little things, but it's, it can mean whatever you want it to mean. Right on. And had uh, Dwayne said anything to you about the idea of of using mushrooms as a part of the aesthetic? No. No, that whole mushroom thing was uh, something I came up with. <laughs> and it's stuck. Yeah. It's stuck, and it's interesting. Those kind that cover that particular cover is kind of, and there's some others, but they've they've withstood the test of time. And I think it, it goes it goes deeper. It's kind of a reflection of what does it say, and what does it. I think it is a good representation of the music. Absolutely, and it kind of says everything about them and that kind of music in the South and the whole thing at the top. But also, it has this uh, energetic quality that I think people relate to. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel serene. It kind of keeps them coming back to it. And, whoa, I like that. They may not no. know why they like it, but... And I'm looking at that ob objectively, as opposed to... Sure, sure. Uh, and you, you had... Um, and, and you would work with the Allman Brothers Band uh, painting uh, other things, equipment? Uh, yes, I painted the two uh, uh, Greg's Leslie speakers... Okay. Uh, that he used, and um, actually there was a shot in Rolling Stone that had them in there. And then when I was planning to talk to Dwayne about painting his his bike, and he unfortunately checked out the week before. I was supposed to go down the next weekend. Oh, what so, a shame! I know. What did you have in mind uh, for his bike? I don't know. He, you know, he was really open to anything. Yeah, yeah. Hey, those are the best clients. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That is the best client. One of my next favorites is one of the next ones you did, which is the "In the Right Place" by Doctor John. Was I, it was it like taken from the walls of your house or something? Or no, no, that's another okay urban legend. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I read a lot of stuff on the internet, and I said, "What? Where did that come from?" Right? That's not true. It didn't happen. It's it's like the eat a peach when um, I went down to Macon and I showed I met up with Dwayne. We were going in to see Frank and Phil, the president, Capricorn, vice president, and um, he, he said, um, 
man, this is awesome. What are we going to call it? I said, I, you know, I don't know. How about eat a peach? He goes, oh, how about eat a peach for peace? And I said, well, how about eat a peach? And he goes, okay. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty, it was that simple. And then he goes in, and this is kind of funny. And I, He's late. So I go in, and they see it, and then, you know, they're businessmen. They said, well, we're going to give you X number of dollars, which was not that much. So I walk out of the meeting, and Dwayne's coming up. He said, man, I'm sorry. I'm late. And he said, did they uh, come up with a price for you? And I said, yeah, it was this much. And he went, what? Those bastards. <laughs> and he ran in there, and he came out and said, well, I got you three times as much. So. Oh, right on, Dwayne. <laughs> so he was a regular kind of guy. Absolutely. Good. But um, uh, I knew Mac. I knew uh, Dr. John, and he was doing this record, and he was actually doing it up here. Uh, and he had the meters coming up. Toussaint was producing, and he was another. You know, he was. We had a good rapport, and he he said, "Hey, man, just do your thing." So that was fun. Although I do remember that uh, I've never blown a deadline, and you do have deadlines when you're working with those major labels. But I didn't finish. There was parts of it I didn't finish. I just had to turn it in unfinished. So it's kind of a continuation on the inside of, of the inside of Allman Brothers. Oh, right on. Nice. Yeah. They're kind of surreal looking. And if you yeah. see the right side, it's uh, you pull back and you kind of see a face with those turkeys. And I put my cat in there. And <laughs> he just wanted, you know, Mac, Dr. John was weird. You can get away with some weird stuff. So, well, and that's that. I mean, that's invaluable when it comes to you know people uh, who are who are willing to accept the weirdness. But the best part of that is that I I would go on tour with Mac and and uh, dress him up and get sticks and put them in his hair and <laughs> leave, throw leaves on him and make him look really earthy. <laughs> oh yeah, and he'd go out there and that was fun. Yeah, he's quite a character. And you had a um, uh, you had a relationship with the Marshall Tucker Band, right? I did. I did a number of covers for Marshall Tucker. Those guys were from my hometown, and they were a cover band called the Toy Factory. I was doing all this work for Capricorn, so I went up and I said, "Man, these guys are um, you know it's a new label, mm-hmm. and I think you guys would fit in. Change your name, do some original material, and I'll take it down there." So that's what they did. Great, I took man. it down. I had to have a little help with. Uh, Jim and Jack Hall from Wet Willie. And then, you know, they were signed and the rest is history. History. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite Southern rock bands, for sure. And tell us more about how you interacted with uh, the musicians and you have to kind of juggle the management, the record labels. And is there like a push and pull with those artistic viewpoints? Well, not. I mean, it's interesting in that, no, I don't really like, I don't really let, you may have a theme or a title to go by. In most cases, it, I mean, it's whatever I wanted to come up with. I mean, of course, they would have to okay it. Because when well, you get too many too many chiefs in the cook or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So I, uh, just to, to illustrate, I was doing a cover for one, this group. They were signed, I think, CBS or something. And they came over to my studio and you know, the whole band was there. They were excited. It was their, their first release, major label and everything. And, and the guitar player was saying, "Hey, hey, man, I, I don't, I, I want you to take this, this image you have down here at the bottom, and I want you to take that, and I want you to put it up at the top, 
And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And you know on that lead, when you play that lick, I want you to take that lick. And don't play it there. I want you to play that lick at the end of that solo. And he looked at me and said, oh, okay, I get it now. So you have to, you know, you have to educate people to a certain extent. Because you were looking at these things, some of them were personal. Of course, you're doing a project that um, is not your own. Per- it is personal, but it's not yeah. your own kind of esoteric work. So you, it is a com- commercial endeavor to a certain extent. You know, I tried to make covers that um, to kind of make a statement, make a visual statement, and kind of reflect mm-hmm. the essence and the musical tone style of the group. But that doesn't. I don't know if that always happened. Well, one I can think of for sure that did was Charlie Daniels' band, Fire on the Mountain. That that picture, I think, captures that time and that sound for, for his band really well. And you also did one of his other most well-known covers in Saddle Tramp. The, I the did just, like three or four for Charlie. The, the Fire, on, Fire the on the Mountain was a, um, you know, it was interesting. I think, that, and this is, uh, for some reason, a number of these groups, well, like Charlie, for instance, I think he just he hadn't really sold many records up to that point, so he mm-hmm. he released Fire on the Mountain, and you know it went gold and platinum. Then I think he changed labels and went gold and platinum again. And <laughs> people thought that oh wow man you use Flanoy and your your album's going to go gold. So all these groups are using me, and uh, I think it has a little something to do with the music. But oh, you you were seen as having the Midas touch. Right, <laughs> sort of in a way, but uh, the ironic thing was that I apparently found this out years later. I was um, this uh, art director in New York was saying, "Man, you did you were hot in New York back then. Everyone was trying to find you, and they'd call Capricorn Records." And I was living out in the country with no phone or anything, so <laughs> I don't know if that was a smart thing to do. As as a avid record collector, I I'm always digging for records, and one of yours that I always come across, which I own, is the Climax Blues Band Stamp album. Can you tell me? Oh, a little yeah, bit I like about, that one. Yeah, oh, it's one of my favorites. Yours. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Here's the way it worked back then in the old days. Is like you would just I would have a portfolio, uh-huh. and I would go just walk backstage wherever they were playing, wherever a group was playing. And I would just kind of go in and open the door and the security would be there. And they just, hey, here's this guy that looks like the band. And usually the security doesn't know anything. They probably hired out local guys. And here's mm-hmm. this guy with, carrying a briefcase. He must be so. So they just let me in. So I go up and I'll find the manager or the band member and say, hey, man, I do album covers. Let me show you this. And then, uh, oh, you did that. You did that. Oh, yeah, man, you can do ours. But for every 10 approaches and you can do ours, <laughs> Only maybe one or two comes actually come through. Like I, I met Zappa one time. We were talking, and it was his Dirty Love record. So he said, "Man, I want you to do the cover." And we, you know, we met a couple of times, and then, uh, and this was here because he was playing around here. Did up a concept. He really liked it. Shot it to him. We were going back and forth and having talks. He, he was a super nice guy. But then. I think he changed labels and management. Things got screwy, right? And so they put it out and some other artist did the cover. But he was nice enough to call me up and say, man, it was out of my hands. I really wanted yours, but I, 
Yeah. So he kind of, he apologized. He didn't have to do that. You, you mentioned you know kind of just going to shows and everything. Um, what was what was the scene like uh, in Georgia? Uh, who was passing through? Who were you able to catch? Oh, I mean, I've seen a lot of a lot of groups, but it wasn't that's just here. I mean, I if I was in New York or so, I mean, I went to Woodstock. So oh, <laughs> excellent. Talk about that. <laughs> I don't remember. That means I've right? been there, right? You no, see- it was a, it was a, incredible. All those. You know the ultimate, ultimate in psychedelia. Did you know at the time uh, what kind of impact it would have? Mm, you know, if you're if you're into that whole counterculture scene, it, just, it was just part of it. You weren't yeah. thinking about oh, what I mean. That you hopefully it was going to be carried on. I mean, it was going to be the the new society. Yeah. Everyone just sitting around getting stoned, listening to music. Yeah. How great can that be? Uh, you caught Hendrix passing through Atlanta? Well, I've seen Hendrix like three or four times. Here in Atlanta, he in 68, he had an awesome show. And I, I was supposed to do the poster for it, and, but I was living in Athens at the time. Things kind of get, got a little convoluted. I did not do it, unfortunately. I mean, I, there, there are a lot of near misses. Like, I, I don't even know at the time. I got a call from Stevie Wonder's management and James Brown's management and to do covers but too busy or something and yeah. they had a deadline the funniest thing is they um you know you have the old tape machines on your phone this is like 15 years later and you, I, I find the i find the tape and i said well what's on this and i listened in the, the messages hey this is so and so i'm the manager of a new group called fish we want you to do our album our first album cover <laughs> i never got that message oh no uh, classic <laughs> But you did end up working with uh, Widespread Panic. Done a number of projects for Panic, right? Space Wrangler and Uber Cobra and Don't Tell the Band. And Till the Medicine Take. Till the Medicine Take. Yeah. That's a good one, Till the Medicine Take. Oh, yeah. That's probably my favorite. Now that, if you're talking about art, that's one thing I wanted to um, – I did not want the name of the group on the cover. Mm-hmm. Much to the management's chagrin, I assume. Right. To that, much to everyone's. But, but, the band, but the band's cool. They didn't, they didn't right. care. And uh, so if you notice, the, on the, the first run, there's something called diffraction grading. It's like the, the, uh, the painting is uh, imposed over this um, foil kind of. Yeah, oh, it's great. It yeah. 2D. And it's kind of a cheap way out because you couldn't really afford a, they couldn't afford a hologram. But uh, it had an effect. I think the label freaked and put a sticker on the shrink wrap on the first you know they said we gotta have a name those concepts it's kind of it's fun like uh paul davis was one that i i was a grammy finalist on that one and it was like a levi jacket and uh it opens up in the middle and there's a barroom scene and the barroom doors you know there were several people doing kind of concept pieces at the time like Chicken chong had the big pill normally they're die cut so the one i did was uh die cut try embossment which at that point had never been done before. So it was a real expensive package. Is there a budget up front that you would know if you could do a die cut or do a hologram or things like that? You, well, you kind of come up with the idea and then present it. And then they usually I'd work with the group, with the, the, the artist, recording artist or in with a band. And they'll, we want this, man. Yeah. So they put pressure on the label too. No, we really want this. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes they can push it through sometimes. With the Christopher Cross, was that something you already had in your portfolio, or was that a commission piece? It wasn't a commission piece. It was uh, they just they got in touch. The management got in touch because uh, Christopher Cross was out of Texas, 
Yeah. And at the time, I'd been I'd like done a bunch of Texas stuff, like uh, Austin, like Willie Nelson's first Fourth of July barbecue concert, then uh, yeah. Lost Gonzo Band and Jerry Jeff Walker and some different yeah. things. And um, so they had this new recording artist, and um, they said that they liked, um, I don't know if it was Christopher, I can't remember, but someone said, hey, we like flamingos. I said, okay, <laughs> that sounds good, because they, they had to, didn't have a title for it. So I just came up with this flamingo thing that, um, and they actually, it's interesting that they tried, they shopped to all the labels. All the major labels, they were turned down. Warner Brothers, who had turned them down first, they went back and then they said, oh, okay, we'll release it. And then it just went crazy. Yeah, it, it's definitely iconic, that image. So at the time, when it came out in 1980, it was a, it had won more Grammys, more several number one hits. So it was a big album. Yeah. How important is the music and the album title to your creation process? Sometimes it's uh, <laughs> sometimes I don't even have to listen to the music, but uh, I mean I kind of have an idea. But it's always good to to listen and and get with you know meet the, the. It's fun to meet the group and the whole thing. Sometimes it can get hectic. They have a like really tight deadline, and and if you have some of the major labels have like if it's a marketing guy or an accountant or some idiot gets involved and he thinks he knows more and then he bogs down the process. <laughs> And then they don't understand the art, like, or you get an art director that wants his name on something, so he'll change, he'll change something so he can put his name. Yeah, right. Writer credit. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but I, you know, just over the year, trying to do things that are visually different, that will uh, attract kind of attention in a way, like, I don't know if you remember James Gang. So uh, I think it was there. Straight Shooter. Straight shoot. I don't know if it was their second or third, or but it was like a takeoff on an old wallet. Now that's a good indication. That was supposed to be embossed, like a wallet. Oh, I don't okay. Think they had the bot. The, the loot. They yeah. may have embossed just the first few. I'm not really sure. It's been a while. But in uh, a Ted Nugent, when Ted Nugent's first thing came out, um, the one with the me. Amboy Dukes. Yeah. He was with the Amboy Dukes, right? And so that kind of caveman half-cat imagery that kind of uh-huh. struck attention so the first one uh, going back to the first album cover wet willie which is a psychedelic finger in the ear you know what a wet willie is right yeah oh yeah okay so it was really kind of psychedelic style and what happened is that they you know the at the time all these the labels send all the um uh, art uh, the uh, program directors their product all the uh program directors at the time could vote on best album cover and that got a runner up nice and right on. so it kind of created a little buzz there uh levi uh said he stumbled upon one of your records just the other day yeah in my uh in my picking i stumbled upon a record by a band called ned and it's self-titled and the uh the cover is like i believe like an abstract is it a photo collage you put together? Oh yeah, like flying fannies. Yeah. Yeah, and then, then like a, a guy, you know, reading reading the newspaper, but the newspaper right. has like clouds. I love it. It's like a collage thing. It's funny. Do you remember the group America? Oh yeah. So I was talking to that guy, and, and that was his favorite cover. Oh, it's great, and that is absolutely what drew me to the album was the cover, and then I looked up. I was like, oh, it's Southern Rock. I would probably enjoy it. And then I looked down and saw your name as the credit as the artist. 
another one of yours that I like, and I know it's one of Jonathan's favorite bands, is Driving and Crying's album Scarred But Smarter. Mm-hmm. The cover of that is that is that a photo that has been edited? Is that a painting? Can you tell no, me? No, it's a. I kind of work mixed media, so that is I call that smearography. Okay. So it's um art. It's uh, uh basically that's a drawing that I took and I threw, ran it through a Xerox machine at the time. You could take the Xerox. I don't think that you can do it anymore, but at the time you can pull the paper. Uh, okay. Yeah. So when you start to make a print, you pull the paper and it stretches it. So that's that's kind of how. Yeah, that it's a, it's a very out. neat but effect. It works really that, well. The name was also changed kind of at the last minute. That was um yeah, the name of that was everything looks better in the dark. No kidding. Yeah, and then last minute they changed the guard, but smarter. But my one of my I have some favorites. Like I like Bruce Hampton's um, Arkansas. Ah. I like that. So I like is that, that a mixed cover. media? Actually, those drawings are done by my kid when they were like oh, wow. three and five or something. No kidding. So it's kind of a combination of you know drawing and photo stuff and. But uh, the Charlie Daniels Fire on the Mountain, I, that was pretty much a straight, you know, straight painting, straight illustration. They, on the one you did for him, the Saddle Tramp, like what was the inspiration for that for that portrait? Well, the inspiration was Charlie said, "I want, I want you to do Saddle Tramp, and I want, I want everybody in the band. I want the, I wanted a figure. He was telling me what to do. He said, I want this, I wanted a cowboy, and I wanted to be made up of everybody in the band." That was his. Uh, yeah. That was the assignment. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, it works. It, it's a great. It's a great portrait, and the uh, I love the hat, the accents on it, and everything. Oh, then he threw in a couple of roadies too. <laughs> Another iconic uh, southern rock band you worked with was the Outlaws. Was there um, input by the band on like they wanted like cow skulls and snakes, or was that all your kind of an idea? No, that was all my stuff. It, it so, works. Um, it helps convey the. It helps convey the image and the sound of that band really well. That's another one that they've still been using after oh, yeah. decades. Because this cow and with the two snakes was supposed to be the front cover, and then the label, which is the air stuff, freaked out. Put it <laughs> on the back, and then last minute we had to come up with this photograph, and I had to do this kind of border thing, which wasn't. Um, I didn't like it as much, but what can you do? Well, but you know, but you get these guys, these marketing guys, oh, you can't have this. You know, it's got to be more middle of the road. They don't give people credit. You know, they just, they want to dumb down the whole process. Like I rode the wave because they, <laughs> at the time, and now it's, it's cr- crashed. And um, like I, I say, any anyone with a girlfriend in Photoshop can do a cover for free, so... Uh, before like, be- like in the old days we'll say would you just hand over your like when you say you would hand over your work to the to the label w- would that be paintings or prints or lithos yeah. it would be original art and 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 you just pray they'll send it back and in i some was gonna cases, say they yeah. don't they don't send it back and it just really pisses you off because you know if you're sending up to new york the West Coast and say, hey, man, you've got my what artwork? I don't know. I didn't, never saw it. You know, there's so many yeah. people in those big labels that I know, oh. like, well, the first one, Wet Willie never made it back. Oh, oh. And then sometimes they'll send you something back and it won't even be the same group. And one thing I, um, I had uh, posed a question to you before we before the interview about the idea of if an, a long lost Beatles record were discovered and Paul McCartney asked you to do the artwork, uh, would you have anything in mind? Well, I would say, Paul, how much does this pay? <laughs> Excellent response. 
<laughs> we go from there. <laughs> we really appreciate you taking your time with oh, us. Yeah. Man, I I um I really appreciate uh, you guys for doing this. I am. Um, it's nice, you know, that most people don't really care about the uh, the visual aspect of uh, packaging and packaging yeah. sound, you know. And it used to be a lot more influential, I think. And we talked oh, about this earlier. Whereas you judge the whole group on the imagery. Albums were when you judged a book by its cover, for sure. Lernoy, we, we do appreciate your time and, uh, you know, keep on cranking out the artwork. Okay, well, I appreciate it, and thank you, yeah. guys. All right, so that was Flournoy Holmes, one of the stalwarts of album design. Be sure to check out his website, FlournoyHolmes.com, F-L-O-U-R-N-O-Y-H-O-L-M-E-S.com, where you can browse his album covers, paintings, photography, and more. You can also buy prints of Flournoy's original artwork on the website. You can contribute to the album artwork conversation at RockChew.com or on Twitter at RockInChew. Thanks, everybody, for joining us.